Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. So I was looking over my notes, and I had an opportunity to share with everybody back in May. And back in May, the Lord put something on my heart, and it was one question. And it was a collection of all the prophets that I was reading in the Old Testament, the major and the minor prophets. And I heard this resounding question from the Lord in the Spirit over and over and over again. What do you see? What do you see? Are you seeing just with the natural, or are you seeing with the spiritual? And as we began to pray and we began to study through that, even after preaching that message, I was dissatisfied. I'm like, Lord, there's something else that you're on. Why is this feeling a little void here? So I began to seek the Lord. And so today, we're going to have a continuation of that what do you see by pressing into the eternal perspective. There's a lot that's going on right now. And if we don't have the spiritual eyes, we're going to miss it. And as I said to a few moments ago, there's nothing wrong with the social media feeds and all those different things. In fact, Lori St. Ilmi is teaching me to be an influencer. So I am now learning... Mm, I just want you to know, take a good look now. All of this is going to be a social media influencer for a school of the spirit. (laughs) She's been teaching me how to do some things, and I'm like, if you say so. But I will tell you this. when When you listen to Billy Graham, he would say he wasn't afraid of the media outlets. He actually wanted to use them anyway to preach the gospel, anyway to get it out there. But what happens if we're not careful is we, beget, we become absorbed and inundated. And there's a reason. There's a natural reason from the creators, but there's a supernatural reason why you can scroll constantly because the enemy needs you to be lulled. He needs you to be worn out. He needs you to be tired because, folks, I'm telling you right now, there is a freight train moving through in the spirit, and I'm telling you, hook up. Hook up right now. Hook up. The time is now. It feels like, oh, we're not really sure. Awakening's coming. Revival's coming. I'm telling you, it's now. It's now. And all we have to do is hook up to what the Lord is doing. Sometimes we talk to people who are a little bit more advanced on their timeline. I like to say it that way. That's how I teach it in the School of the Spirit. A little bit more advanced on their timeline. And sometimes they're like, well, back in my day, and tell all these great stories of what God used to do. It's like, well, it wasn't like that back in my day. We didn't have to do that. And I'm saying, guess what? Open your eyes. Ask for the eternal perspective. God is doing it now, and he's doing it new, and he's doing it afresh. It's amazing to me. So as I was praying and seeking the Lord and getting ready for today over the past couple weeks and saying, Lord, what do you want to say? Feeling that tug of dissatisfaction from May, saying there must be more. There must be more. Okay, it's the eternal perspective. But what is it about this eternal perspective? And I heard these words, open your eyes. Look around you. The fields are white. The harvest is ripe. It's ready. And so I want to encourage you, as uncomfortable as it may be, turn your body around right now and look out those double doors and look out that window. I want to say to you what Jesus said, and I'll tell you in a few moments, John 4, the fields are white for harvest. The time is now. So in the spirit, there's three things that I'm sensing right now. I am not I'm just telling you what I see the Lord. I've been listening in, and these are three things I'm seeing right now. I haven't even got into the word of God, but it's coming. Don't worry. We should always preach the word. I'm a firm believer of that. You should know that by now. God is drawing back. Watch. Pay attention. God is drawing back sons and daughters who have been estranged from his family and from his body. 
And not only are they coming back, but they're coming back with a vengeance. They are coming back bold. They are coming back strong. We ourselves have seen the return of a prodigal. And I will say this, it's absolutely amazing. Not only do we see the prodigal's return, but even if it doesn't look exactly how you desire it, even if it's not, well, they're not totally passionate about the Lord yet, the Lord drew them back, and now we keep our face to the floor, and now we keep praying, because what is inside of them is fire, like Jeremiah shut up in their bones. They are critical for the end times harvest. There is. It's happening right now. There is a return of sons and daughters, and I've been studying it. I'm watching it. I just listen. There is actually like an age range of people that the Lord is drawing back. It's amazing. And he's stirring within their hearts. So, folks, let's keep praying. If you had a prodigal return, praise God, but keep praying. Just as Paul was fighting against the way so vehemently, but then the Lord turned his life around, and he became that much more of a powerful preacher, providing two-thirds of the New Testament. The same is true for the prodigals that God is returning now. There is fire. There is vehemence. There is boldness. And so we got to keep those prayers. We have to keep pressing in. Keep speaking to the person, the man, the woman. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. We're seeing with nat- supernatural perspective, not natural perspective. All right, so the second thing that I'm sensing right now is that there is an unashamed boldness rising in this next generation. Unashamed boldness. I saw two things that I've never seen in my lifetime. And I'm 38 years old. I'm not even that old. I'm 38. Blows my mind. Now listen, I'm a roadie through and through. If you don't know what that means, it's probably because you're not a roadie. But I'm a roadie through and through, which means I was born and bred and lived in Rhode Island. Y'all know Rhode Island. (laughs) And I come from a little town they made a movie about years ago outside Providence called Pawtucket. And that's where I hail from. That's where I hail from. And I don't even let people say that I'm from the bucket because it ain't the bucket. And I don't care if the paw socks are leaving, my Jesus is returning. And he's coming for his providence. He's coming for his providence. And just outside providence is Pawtucket. And they're going to see it there as well. Now, I've been a roadie my whole life. It is only this past year of my life I... I'm not ashamed, but I'm a little bit embarrassed to tell people that I live in the beautiful state of Massachusetts. It's beautiful. I love it. But it's the Bay State, and I'm a roadie. So it's, you know, I, it's great. We're the Ocean State. You're the Bay State. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, you know. I don't know if prophetic words come out with bays, but it's always arcing oceans. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, I love Massachusetts, but it's been, really, it's been really exciting to live there and watch what God is doing and how he's turning my heart for Massachusetts now. And I still have this, I know, honey, and I still have this desire for Rhode Island. I was a kid growing up in Curtis Elementary School on Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Somebody's actually from Curtis Elementary School? Really? Wow. That's amazing, Karen. I've known you for like 15 years. I never knew that. Wow. I'm a little kid from Pawtucket, and I would go to the State House regularly, and, and we would walk through the rotunda, and we would see all the amazing things happening, and we would see the ornate artwork and the independent man at the top. And 
Never in my life did I think about the presence of God hitting that state house. Well, as a young 38-year-old, I can tell you just a few weeks ago, two Fridays back-to-back, the spirit and the presence of God were taking over that state house. I would have never dreamed that in my life. But there's a boldness rising up in this next generation. And these cats that came to lead the worship and speak in heavenly language over the rotunda and over the state house, they're younger than me. They're younger than me. And so I dropped to my knees on a place I've been for years, and I said, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to hook up to what you're doing right now. If you need to send somebody from out of state to bring the transformation, then praise God. I want to hook up to it. But my point is this. Don't sit back. Don't cross your arms. Don't be like, well, we'll see if it lasts. No, the fire is shut up in their bones, and we ought to hook up to it right now. The freight train in the spirit is flowing through. Let's hook up and link on. Because as we're going to get to, we all have a part to play, no matter our demographic, no matter our socioeconomic status, no matter our age, we all have a part to play. There are always two things that we're doing in this life. We're either sowing or we're reaping. We are either always sowing or we are either always reaping, and we're doing both. And so we're going to get to John chapter 4 in just a moment. But the third thing that we're seeing right now in the spirit is an unstopping of the wells. There are spiritual, deep, ancient wells that run from Providence to Plymouth, from Providence to New Bedford, and they're there. And our forefathers paid for them with their blood, with their sweat, with their tears, and their prayers. Your grandma, your great-grandma, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, they prayed They laid their lives down for the sake of the gospel in this region. I'm not just waiting for a revival that's coming. I'm not just waiting for another great awakening. We're living in it now. But we have to turn our eyes to the eternal perspective. And so God is beginning to give vision and beginning to give dreams. Because why? Because Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And when you're hungry for the things of God, and when you're thirsting for the things of God, like the woman at the well, Jesus says, I will give you supernatural drink. You'll never thirst again. The fountain that I'll provide for you will cause you to never thirst again. So, about a year ago, I was just hanging out with the Lord, just spending time with him. And I want to say this. It's easy. It's easy to look at the person preaching and teaching and think there's, there's something, but there's not. It's all of us. It's the Lord. It's his will in us. And whoever hungers and whoever thirsts will be filled. Did you know that God has secrets to reveal? And he wants to reveal them, but he reveals them to those who are close. So just hanging out with the Lord, just spending time. Do you know how many, do you know how many people in this room right now who are more advanced on their timeline have a quiet, deep place in their cellar or in their closet that nobody knows about, but they have secrets with the Lord and they're praying in what they see in the spirit. Do you know how many of them are here right now? And they're not standing up here sharing and talking, but they are praying it out. 
God has these secrets and these desires that he wants to reveal. So I was just hanging out with the Lord, not trying to do or be anything. I'm just hanging out with the Lord. And he showed me a picture of this beautiful place in Providence, a place that I know so well, a place that I've gone a bunch of times. It's a grassy park in Providence. And I saw, at first I saw the grassy park, and then I saw a white tent, and then I saw Stephen Salvatore. Where are you? Still here? Is he here? No. Then I saw Stephen Salvatore. And I didn't even know, this is before I was ever connected with Stephen, that he's been praying about and praying in and praying over Providence for 30 years, 30 plus years. Before that, I didn't even know this. And the Lord shows me a picture. And then right at the center, all this vision converges to right at the center of this beautiful grassy area. And I see a manhole, a cover, a manhole cover. And I'm like, that's a really weird part of this vision. I was with you at the tent meeting. I was with you at Stephen the Elder. But now I'm really confused, Lord. Why are we staring at a manhole cover? Why are we staring at a drain? And this is before I even understood that there are ancient wells that the Lord is unstopping. And you know who he's unstopping them through? You and me. We are part of this. We are part of this. So I'm like, wow, that's a pretty cool vision. Now I shared it with Stephen. I shared it with a few others. And I was like, okay, well, Lord, I'm just going to wait on it. We're just praying. Maybe there's going to be another tent meeting, another revival in Providence. Praise God. I, I'll pray for it. So as I'm praying, I start to hear the groundswell and the swirling of people coming up to the state house. First it was Sean Foyt. Then it was MBL two Fridays ago. And when we pulled up to join MBL worship at the state house, we were right next to this park. And I haven't been down there in years. And I was like a kid on Christmas. And I'm like, I'm going to run. I don't care how weird I look. I'm going to run and see if there's that manhole cover right there. And I was, you know, the grass was just high enough so that you couldn't tell. So here I am sprinting through the field, forgetting about my wife, even though I love her, forgetting about my kids. They get across the street on their own. I've got to see it. I've got to see it. Is it there? Is it there? Is it there? Because I've been praying. What is this? And I got up to it, and I'm like, Lord, there it is. There are wells here. Not only, for me, it was just confirmation. He showed me in the spirit. I got to see it in the natural. It's awesome. God is literally using the natural things to reveal to us spiritual truths. So because Lori St. Ilmi is teaching me how to be a social media influencer, I actually took a video of this. And I'd love to share it with you. Now, I'm excited about it because I had the vision, but I want to tap into something here that this third thing that we're seeing right now is an unstopping of wells, and everybody's a part of it. Whether you're sowing in prayer or whether you're going to reap, take a look at the video. Hi. All right, I'm recording this because it's absolutely amazing. Over a year ago, I had a vision of a well, a manhole cover right here in this park in Providence. We are right near the State House, right near Providence Place Mall. And I'm telling you, I saw a revival breaking out right here. Steve Salvatore, you know what I'm talking about. Now, I. <laughs> you know, man. You know Jesus is funny, right? I mean, it's so hard to catch the manhole cover because of my little eight-year-old dancing over there pointed, but she caught it. 
She caught. There's something here dad's been waiting for. It's big. There's a well. It's here. Right here. <laughs> this is how the Lord wants us to come to him. You know God is looking. The scripture tells us, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, his eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. And he is looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God desires connection with us. God has secrets he wants to share. I'm going to tell you right now before we get into this powerful word that God has given you a scope of authority, and he has given you a sphere of influence. And his desire for you is for you to know how to reach those in your sphere of influence with your scope of authority. You have the ability to do it, and you can do it in the spirit. John chapter 4. We're going to pick up in John chapter 4 as we talk about the eternal perspective. An eternal perspective moves everything into the light. It removes our confidence from politics, business, and self-accomplishment. It redirects our focus to the Father's heart, which is the work of the harvest. John chapter 4, we're going to pick up in verse 27, a familiar passage here because many have taken time to preach about the woman at the well. And it's important to study out the woman at the well. And I'm going to share this as an aside. This is an aside to my, to my main topic right now. But several years ago as a young youth pastor, I was praying and on the horizon, I could see that there was going to be a major push. This is before it happened. There was going to be a major push for answering this issue of homosexuality and its influence in the church. And I started to study this out, and I'm saying, Lord, we really need an answer. We really need an answer because the church is struggling right now. The church is struggling. We're in two ditches. We're either over here on the street corner holding up signs saying that God hates gays, or we're over here on this side welcoming everybody in and not requiring any transformation, not expecting any transformation. And I knew, Lord, we need an answer. We need an answer from you now. How do you expect your church to respond to this? This is probably over 10 years ago. And do you know where the Lord brought me? He brought me right to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And I will say this to you. I believe the account with the woman at the well in John chapter 4 is sort of a picture and prototype of how we're going to reach the LGBTQ plus community. Before it was ever the LGBTQ plus community, this is what the Lord has shown me. And I really believe if we pray into it and we look at how Jesus interacts with the Samaritan woman. See, you and I, we read it. We don't have the culture. Unless we take the time to study it out, we don't have the cultural relevance of what it means to be a Samaritan. There's a reason it's written that she was a Samaritan. There's a reason why the scripture says in John 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He didn't physically have to go through Samaria, but the Lord was drawing him to go through Samaria because he had to. There was something there for him him. And the Samaritans were a despised half-breed generation that the Jews hated. In fact, the woman at the well tells you, um, how are you talking to me, man? Because Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And yet Jesus knew he needed to be there. And I would present to you today, as I'm still in the parenthetical of my aside, haven't even gotten into the message, I'm in the parenthetical of my aside, that our ability to reach the LGBTQ plus community with truth, compassion, and love is found right there in John chapter 4. Jesus didn't pull any punches. He didn't withhold the revelation of her sin. In fact, her own account is, come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did. And she's happy about it. <laughs> because she's experienced the risen Lord, she got the living water he was talking about. Come on, man. That's awesome. All right. So John chapter 4. We'll get into the message now. 
John chapter 4 and verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men. Notice, she said to the men, because the men knew her, and the woman wouldn't listen to her. Come and see the man, a man, who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he, excuse me, he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? I love the way the disciples are so natural. They're always so consumed and caught up on what's happening in the natural. If you understand the time, the scripture says it was about the sixth hour of the day, which means it's about noon, which means these dudes are hungry. They had just been sent into Samaria to get food and provisions, and now they're expecting Jesus to eat. But Jesus is nourishing on the spiritual food because he's got the eternal perspective. Verse 33, his disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Man, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? (laughs) Jesus said earlier, my father is always working. And here he says, I've come to finish his work. And at the cross he said, I hope you read your Bible. Is it's good. It's finished. Anyways, we're still in this parenthetical point. 36. So, verse 35, rather. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages. I want to pause there for a moment. Sometimes we think that in selling out for the Lord, there's no provision and supply for us. But the truth is, Jesus tells us right here that he who reaps receives wages. There is payment for faithful work. Did you know that? Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he, God is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Why do we believe that God is just looking to squeak out every last ounce of work from us and then someday make it to heaven? There are wages for those who reap. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Okay, verse 36. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. As we get into the word of God this morning and our study As we begin looking at the eternal perspective, you see a very interesting point here where the disciples are so focused. Again, they haven't fully been taught. They're still in training. They're so focused on the natural needs that that's where their mindset is. And it wasn't uncommon for these guys to bump into Jesus and have similar experiences when they're on the boat and he's talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. It's not uncommon. So I want us to know that the Lord knows how to work with our humanity. But the more time we spend with him, the more he expects us to have the eternal perspective. Over in John chapter 4, in the earlier verses, as I shared with you, the scripture said that Jesus knew he needed to go through Samaria. 
As we study this out this morning, I want us to hear this. We are either sowing or we are reaping. And Jesus has called us to reap. I believe the same thing he said to the disciples is existing for us today. He has called us to reap for that which we have not labored. Look outside one more time, please. It's white for harvest. Out there, it's ripe. It's ready. God is moving. There are people who know there's things in the world aren't working. They need something. There's got to be something more. God is stirring even among the unbelievers. And guess who he's sending them to? You! You, gone are the days. I say it almost every time I get up here. I didn't want to say it again today, but I'm going to say it again. Gone are the days where we're like, hey, come to my church and see my pastor preach. No, you got the gospel inside of you. You go and tell him about Jesus. The harvest is white. Yeah, come to church, learn, grow in the spirit and the word. But we have the gospel inside of us. We have the living water. The woman who knew nothing, who had five husbands and was with one now who wasn't even her husband. She left her water pot. She left and went and told all the men, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Listen. God is stirring, and the time is now, and you got to jump on. you got to jump on this freight train that is plowing through. It's happening now in the spirit, and whatever God has given you, he's going to use. Let me just tell you how hungry the world is right now. Let me give you this example and kind of illustrate this for us. Just uh, several months ago, I was down, maybe a few months ago, I was down at uh, Stop and Shop in Somerset doing my after-church grocery pickup. Woo-woo for everybody who does grocery picks up. Love it. And, you know, I'm cleaning out the trunk, and all of a sudden, I just feel somebody coming up on my six. Like, I feel it. And the thing is, I am from Pawtucket. And I know I'm skinny, but I'm always ready. My mom taught me to always be ready. My mom taught me how to be ready with car keys. My mom taught me where those car keys go if I get in trouble. See, I'm always ready. And so this dude rolls up on my six, and I just feel the presence, and it's not the grocery delivery guy coming to my car. And I'm like, okay, kids are in the car. I'm making a plan. I've already got a plan. I've got three steps right now. I've got a quick plan. Close the trunk, turn around, take them out, we go. It's going to end one way or the other. So... <laughs> I told you God is funny, man. So I just turn around, and this gentleman, his name is Jeff. I got to meet him a little bit. And, you know, he's got his hand in his pocket. He's talking to me. But my guard comes down because I realize he begins to say, hey, man, do you got a couple bucks for me? And I'm like, oh, yeah, dude. I, now you came to the right person. We're going to have some fun now. This is perfect. Now I let my guard down. Like, this is great. So, I'm like, I got, I got money and something else for you, so stick around. That's what I told him. I said, I got to put these groceries in the car. I'm still going to close the trunk because I want my kids to be safe because I don't know everybody. So, I close the trunk, and I begin to talk to Jeff. Jeff tells me that he's a veteran, a homeless vet. He's living in his car, needs a few dollars to get by. And I said, man, listen, I've got a few bucks for you, and that's fine, but what you really need is Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Just right there, do you know Jesus? And he begins to talk to me about his upbringing and how he's been estranged. He's 
in the same age window. I know I haven't told you, but he's in the same age window and how he's been estranged from the church because of all these different hurts. And I just began to minister to him and talk to him and tell him how much God loves him, gave him the money. And as I put my hand on his shoulder, now listen to me, none of this is about me. Everything is about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he does. All he's looking for is willing, open vessels. Please do not hear another preacher telling a story about himself. That is not. That's endless, pointless, unnecessary. That's not what I'm giving you. But as I put my hand on his shoulder, he shook, and he felt the presence of God. And we began to pray, and he started to break. And I was like, oh, God, you're so good. Man, here I was, tired after a Sunday service. I just want to get home, get my groceries. Because you know how it is when you order groceries. If you have to order groceries, it's because you got nothing left at the house. You desperately need some food in the house. At least that's the way we do it. <laughs> so it's, I just want to get home and eat, man. We've been up for like 10 hours. Like, let me eat something. And the Lord hit me and shook the core of my heart. God trusted me. That much that he would send somebody to me because he knew that I would respond. God trusted me. I looked at Jeff in the eye. I said, Jeff, look around. In this entire parking lot, God brought you to me. You could have gone to anybody else. There were people all around us, but you came to me. Do you see how much God loves you? He knew you would encounter me and I would give you money plus Jesus. Come on, that's awesome. And I was just amazed at how God did that. And that is how the Lord wants to lead. Do you know that was just like a Samaritan woman experience? If we get quiet and we get alone with the Lord, he wants to show us things so that we can be ready throughout the day. And as we're walking throughout the day, you know how many people we drive by, pass by, and preachers and evangelists, we talk about it all the time, driving by the people, walking by the people. But you will not be able to. The moment things shift and you get that eternal perspective in your heart, you're not able to walk by, especially certain situations. The Lord begins to tug on your heart. I want you to go over there. I want you to go over there. I want you to spend a little bit more time with Jeff. I want you to listen to Jeff's story because I, God, want to touch him. God is longing for people. He is stirring in the hearts of unbelievers. We think he's just stirring in his church. He's stirring in the hearts of unbelievers and sending them to us. We keep thinking we have to do all this evangelizing and we have to witness and we keep looking at it like notches on our belt. Got another one saved. Praise the Lord. That's like 155 in my quiver in the kingdom or something like that. When did, when did salvations and lives being transformed become notches on our belt? Become all these rewards in heaven. Let the Lord deal with the rewards. He longs for people. He gave his life and his heart, his blood, every part of who he was. Bankrupt heaven for people. We just happen to be a part of those who know him right now. And what should be stirring in our heart is the same thing that stirred inside of that woman. And two things I want to say. I know that there are those of you in this room right now and you have been sowing. You have been sowing. You have been sowing. And you're advancing on your timeline and you're starting to say, wow, all I ever... Excuse me, all I ever do is sow. I never get to reap. All I ever get to do is sow. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. All I get to do is sow. I never get to reap. And I want to encourage you this morning with the words of Jesus. 
He said to the reapers, I'm sending you out to reap what you haven't sown. And when you gather in, you're going to share the fruit with those who have sown. We've got to start shifting our perspective. There is an ease right now. I'm going to say something. There is an ease right now to reaping because the fields are white. Because the harvest is ripe. There is an ease. It's like we throw the sickle out and people, most of the time, people are responding. Do you know how disarming it is to ask somebody if they need prayer? You don't have to go right at them with Jesus. But God may be speaking to you. Listen, I'll be driving home one time. I would drive home one time. We lived in Carver. And the Lord sent me into this gas station. And I'm like, no, God, I don't want to right now. I'm having a tantrum, literally in the gas station. God wants me to talk to the guy. And I'm like, but I really don't want to. I would love to just go home. It already took me 45 minutes to get here. See, we all do it. We all do it. But do you know that there was a word I couldn't get away from the word? There was a word that God put on my heart that that man needed to hear because he already knew it and he walked away from it. And guess what? He's in the age range. He's in the group of the sons and daughters that God is calling home. We have to open our eyes. And it's not just the age range. I'm being a little facetious and pretentious, but still, it's awesome. He's drawing people home and he wants us to be ready to reap. So I want to say to you sowers, if you've been sowing, remember that those who sow in tears reap in joy. There is a joy and there is a harvest. And if you have to grace the presence of heaven and leave this earth before your natural eyes see it, let me tell you, read Hebrews 11 and read about Abraham and Sarah who died in faith. Nobody talks about people dying in faith. Usually when someone's dead, they say, well, they didn't have faith. They died in faith. Why? Not having received the promise here, Hebrews 11 says, but seeing it afar off. And so God may have called you to sow. You know these wells that he's unstopping right now? I can say, oh, wow, I got the revelation of the well. No, I just happen to be a reaper. I, don't even, I haven't even met the sowers yet. I haven't even got to introduce myself to them. But we're going to meet in heaven. People have labored and sown. We get to reap. So if you're sowing... I want to encourage you, hold fast to the commission that God has given you. Don't quit. Don't relent. Remember what Paul said in Galatians. Do not grow weary in doing good, for you will reap a harvest if you do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Keep going. And for those who are reaping, for those of us now who are reaping in this generation, let us always remember the forefathers and foremothers who came and sowed their lives in prayer People we may never meet until we get to heaven. Stories we may never hear until we are meeting in heaven. I want to close with one final perspective here. How many of you, just to lighten the mood a little bit, how many of you have seen the Lego movie, the original Lego movie? That's what I'm talking about right there. In the original Lego movie, and you're all going to go home and watch it right now. I somehow just boosted the sales of the Legos movie. It's not what I was trying to do, but in the, in the influence, <laughs> that's not the influence I want to bring. In the Lego movie, there's a regular ordinary guy. His name is Emmett. He's just a construction worker in this vast, amazing, you know, archetype space of the Lego world. And he just accidentally bumps into the piece of resistance and unintentionally becomes the special. 
And he's surrounded by a group of people who are with him who are called master builders. And they have this keen ability to see all types of Legos and instantly create whatever's necessary, whatever the need is. And I'm telling you, this will preach all day long. So Emmett is hanging out with these master builders and he finally gets to this most important point. He's trying to tell them, I am not a master builder, but I guess I'll just pretend to be so, which is how many of us live our Christian lives because we haven't seen a transformation in our identity. We haven't fully accepted and believed what God has done for us, so we keep pretending and acting like we're more Christian. We keep trying to be something instead of just settling down and accepting, this is who I am, this is how God made me. I'm a beloved son, I'm a beloved daughter. Because the transformation takes place for Emmett when he falls out of his world. He finally sacrifices and gives up all the things that he's been fighting for, all the things that he's been fighting against, and he exits this world. And in getting out of that world, he realizes something. He actually has the ability to make a difference. He had to get out of his own head. All he had to do was believe that he could do it, and he had it. Now for us, all we have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we actually become master builders. I don't know how to reach everybody in my family. Emmett comes back into the world and all of a sudden he can now see the Lego world like a master builder and he can pick all these pieces together and design exactly what's needed for the specific situation. Do you know that's how God wants us to operate with the eternal perspective? He knows exactly how to reach everybody in your sphere of influence. He knows exactly what tools are going to work and how to put it all together. And all he's expecting is for you to believe that he has it and he wants to do it through you and me. He wants to do it through you and me. That's it. That's it. Guys, we get to be a part of this. We get to be reapers. Now, I would be remiss to end today without saying this one thing. There is a cost. There's always a cost. It's awesome to talk about reaching the world, reaching people, seeing the eternal perspective and seeing in the spirit, but there is a cost. We forsake our own rights. We forsake everything that we're trying to build up. We have to let go of this life. And too many of us as Christians, we've been straddling a fence for a long time. And we we think we haven't yet met Jesus face to face where he tells us. So we think we're okay straddling this fence and living partly in this world and living partly in the heavenly. Everything that's going on right now in this world is a smokescreen. It's supposed to be blocking your visual from the reality. The heavenly reality, the eternal perspective is what we need. And it's going to cost us. Selling out to Jesus is going to cost you. People are going to think you're weird. They already think I'm weird. I'm kneeling down in Providence, praying over a manhole cover. Listen, that ship sailed. People are going to think you're weird. There's a cost to selling out for Jesus, but the reward is so great. Jesus said it. There's wages and there's eternal fruit. I don't know what your sellout is. I am not talking about being poor. 
We sometimes get that confused. I don't know what your sellout is. I've discovered mine, and I'm discovering mine. All I'm here to do today is to call you out and ask you if you know that God has been speaking to you. If you know that he's drawing you, he wants to expand your vision so you can see the eternal perspective and stop just seeing in the natural. Because I'm telling you, the job that you have, God placed you there. There's accomplishments and work he needs done there. The street you live on, God placed you there. There are no coincidences for the children of God. God puts you where you are. You have a sphere of influence and you have a scope, a level of authority. And in the spirit, you have everything that you need to carry out God's work. And so I'm here today to ask you if your heart is being tugged and you're saying, you know what, I desperately need the eternal perspective. I know the Lord is drawing me. I don't want you to take a moment. I want you to stand to your feet and come right to this altar. We're not going to do a long, elongated prayer. We're not going to draw things out. Everyone can stand up, but I want you to just come. Just come. Just come to the altar. Just come right now. We're going to meet with the Lord because that's all it takes. We're going to meet with the Lord right now. We're going to connect with him. We're going to ask him. All we have to do is begin to ask just right there in your own words. Just begin to ask him, Lord, give me that supernatural, eternal perspective. Help me to see people and places the way that you see people and places. and open arms. Lord, it doesn't take much. We don't have to plead. We don't have to beg. We don't have to cry out. We just have to be willing. Lord, everyone here with arms stretched high and wide is longing for the eternal perspective. They don't want to be tied. We don't want to be tied to the things of this earth. Yes, we have to live in this world. Yes, we have to provide for our household. Yes, we need to have food and drink and resources. Yes, we need a home. Yes, we need all these things. But God, we don't want to be tied to them. We want you to be our treasure because that's where our heart is. We're gathered this morning because we don't want to treasure the things of this earth any longer. We want to have your heart towards this world. Lord, I pray right now, just as you have been faithful in times past, to give clarity, to give direction, to give vision, to give wisdom right now to every longing heart on how to reach people in their sphere. Lord, I thank you. We ask you sometimes, Lord, for divine appointments, but then we walk away from them when you provide them. Help us to be willing 
to stop. Help us to be willing to be interrupted for your sake, because your heart is longing for the lost. Lord, I remember what you said and what Peter brought to us in his writings. God, you're not slack as some would measure slackness, but you're long suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You're not willing to let another one perish. Father, use us in our homes. Use us in our workplace, in our schools. Our hearts are open to you, Lord. We thank you. today that's it you can expect that the Lord is going to answer that prayer you can expect that he's going to show you sometimes you might just be walking down the hallway at work walking down the hallway at your house driving down the street and I'm telling you the more we practice being sensitive to that unction being sensitive to that picture inside the more clear we're going to hear the more sensitive we become. So Father, thank you for what you've done in this room today. Thank you that your will be done in our lives just as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys. God bless you, and have the best day of your life.